This episode is brought to you by Element. That's L-M-N-T. What's Element? Element is the product that came into my life at exactly the right moment. I've been training hard. I've been sweating like a maniac. But unfortunately, after my sessions, I could never kick that feeling of dehydration. It didn't matter how much water I drank. In fact, the more water I drank, the worse it got. My body was telling me, you need more. You need electrolytes. But I refused to go and buy some sugary sports drink and put that garbage into my body. Enter Element. What's Element? It's a tasty electrolyte drink mix. That's right. I said tasty. They have seven different flavors. My personal favorite is mango chili. But most importantly, it's got no sugar. It's got no gluten. It's got no garbage. It's got no guilt. Take it. You'll feel better. You won't feel like a bum after you drink it. You won't feel any guilt after taking it. To get your element today, go to drinklmnt.com backslash George Mahoney. Again, that's drinklmnt.com backslash George Mahoney. Get yours today. Welcome to another episode of 6 Minute Monday where I give you six tips and tricks to make you more efficient and effective in the weight room, the boardroom, and on the football field. And, and, I'm going to give you a recap of what happened at this weekend's Tag Team Challenge. So here we go. Tip number one. It's not an exercise tip. It's a coaching tip. When you are timing people with a stopwatch, do not start and stop with the watch with your thumb. Start it with your pointer finger. Don't start and stop it with your thumb because your thumb will get caught on that little button. Start it with your pointer finger. Tip number two, something I'm experimenting with. So traditionally, I shouldn't say traditionally, the last few years since COVID started, I have been training out of my home gym, but I can't do that now. Because right now, I have my gym torn apart to clear up some space for contractors to do some other work. So, what I decided to do on the days that I am supposed to be, a.k.a. lifting, and right now, for some of you that know, I've been doing two-a-days. So, I have a sprint session in the morning, then I lift in the afternoon. What I'm doing now is having a sprint session, and then immediately after that, I've taken the gym outside. It's like Venice Beach. So, right now, we're doing our sprint session, and then immediately after that, there is some form of exercise I don't know. I don't know. I don't want to say like I'm out there with uh, barbells, but there are weights out there. There's things that we're doing. Some some stuff's like tough man stuff. Some stuff is bands and straps. Some of it is working with kettlebells. But it's an outdoor workout immediately after the sprint session. So that's what I'm experimenting with. Uh, I had a couple of other options. One was go to a, a local gym. That wasn't gonna happen. Another option was uh, I'd take a week off from working out. That wasn't gonna happen. So this is my option right now. I like it. I don't know if it's giving me exactly the training impact that I really want because I'm really what I'm supposed to be getting back into now in this phase of my triphasic training is lifting heavy, heavy weight, but it's good enough to keep me going to the next point. Uh, the next point in my phase, hopefully this construction is done soon. Tip number three, it is a productivity tip. It kind of re- relates to tip number two, something I'm experimenting with, but the productivity tip is to scratch your own itch. There's a lot of people out there trying to start a business, uh, come up with new innovative ideas, and they think, oh, what can I do? What can I do to make a lot of money? Well, one of the best things you can do is to fix a problem that you have or to fulfill a need or a passion that you have. When you fix that, you win no matter what, right? You fix that, you fix your, you scratch your own itch. And maybe, just maybe, other people have the same itch that you do, and they're going to jump on top of it. And why should you scratch your own itch? Because some of this stuff, it's hard. It's hard. It's hard to keep going. Times are going to get tough. You're going to get stuck. But if it's your itch that you're trying to scratch, that's what's going to give you the drive to keep going. Now, how does this relate to tip number two? Well, my itch right now is to keep training. It's to keep training despite what's going on in my home construction. And maybe, I don't know, I'm making this up, maybe there's something to working out two times a day outside. 
Maybe there's something to getting the sun on your body as you're lifting weights. And maybe by me scratching this itch, maybe it opens the door to another avenue. Right now, our, t- our guys, you know, we're, we're doing our sprint sessions. We're doing our tough man work. But now this is a whole other element of actually lifting and moving things outside. More to come on that. Tip number four. Tip number four. Something that I am listening to that's moving me. It's the Minimalist pod- Podcast. Now, some of you may remember there was a Netflix special about five or six years ago, maybe a little longer. It was actually called The Minimalists. I believe it was called The Minimalists. And these guys did it. Like, I guess it was a documentary on getting clutter out of your home and having things in your life that are there, but they take up mental clutter or they take up space and how to get rid of it and how much stuff do you really need. One thing that hit me in that show was that they showed like a heat map of a house and how little of the space you actually use in your house. So maybe you have a 3,000 square foot house, but you spend 90% of your time in only 1,000 square feet of the house. So why the hell do you need a 3,000 square foot house, right? That was basically the premise of the show. So I watched the show and it really took me to a new level of being, I wouldn't call myself a minimalist, but maybe an essentialist. And I started capping off things in my life. For example, and maybe you guys know this already, but I don't, if I buy a shirt, I have to throw one of my old shirts out. I'm only allowed to have a certain amount of shirts. If I buy a book, I got to throw one of my old books out. Uh, I'm not getting more bookshelves. I, the bookshelves I have, that's it. So if I get a book, it has to be better than the, the worst book I have right now. Otherwise, I'm just creating more physical and mental clutter. Anyway, listening to the podcast, what's great is that it's not necessarily teaching me anything that I don't already know. But... It's reinforcing things that I do know, and now it's really helped me kickstart, again, this minimalist mindset. So what I've been doing, and I've been trying to do it, I haven't been doing a great job of it before listening to this podcast again. What I've been doing is one thing a day. I got to get rid of one thing a day in my home. Even being somewhat of a minimalist, I have a lot of clutter in my home. There's stuff that we just don't need. And this, when I listened to a conversation yesterday, they were saying, you know, you hang on to some things in your house because you think you might eventually need them. You might eventually need something. And it's either because of your ego or you don't want to let go of something because you might use it again. And as a good example, yesterday I had these two dress shirts. I've lost a lot of weight or even a lot of, I'd say, uh, size. I I don't know about my weight because I'm not on a scale, but I've definitely lost a lot of like width in my body because of the type of training that I'm doing and my nutrition. And I've had these two shirts that I loved, these two dress shirts, these two button-down shirts, but they're so big I could never, ever wear them again. And I saved them for like two years. Why? Because I was worried. What if I gain all this weight back? Uh, I need these shirts ready to go. I haven't used them. So what the hell is the point of me taking up valuable real estate in my closet? So yesterday, after listening to the podcast, I took those two shirts. I put them in a little spot. I'm going to donate them because somebody else should use those two shirts. What's the point of me having them in my closet and never wearing them again? Another, like, so I'm trying to get back to this thing of every day, what, one thing a day. I don't know what it's going to be, but one thing a day. And my other little tip for you within this tip is if you're going to start this minimalist lifestyle or even just to remove any clutter, do not try and do it all at once. To be like, ah, I'm going to do some spring cleaning and clean out uh, everything. No, start as small as possible. This way it becomes a habit, and this way it's easy and also, there's a lot of emotion tied to this stuff, right? Like, a lot of emotion tied to throwing out that shirt that I didn't wear in three years. I don't know. It's been sitting in my closet, taking up space, taking emotional clutter. And you say, Coach, what does it matter? What does it matter? Because now that closet, all those shirts are tight. And then all the shirts that I have, the ones that I actually do wear, maybe they get wrinkled. Maybe I can't see them. So 
that's it. Sorry, I'm going off on a tangent here, but that minimalist uh, podcast, it's good. It's Again, it's not telling me anything I don't know. It's just reinforcing to, to me things that I do know. On that same note, uh, it's interesting because sometimes I'll go back and listen to my own podcast or other podcasts from Tim Ferriss. They, again, reread books. Again, it doesn't tell me things I don't know, but it reinforces what I should know. So maybe there's another lesson here to people is that maybe you, you know everything already, right, which is impossible. Maybe you think you know everything already, but are you really executing and practicing all the things that you know? So it's always good to go in and get a refresher and relearn the things that you think you already knew just so it's fresh in your mind and that you can keep doing it and doing it and doing it and make it a habit. Uh, I've got to go off another tangent here. Something else that I've been listening to, this is going to sound a little uh, egotistical, is the Secrets of Strength podcast that I put out. So Steve Armato had reached out to me. We were talking about the struggles, just having a really good conversation about the struggles of losing weight, where you can do everything right, and then you get hit a, you hit a roadblock. And to me, that's always the most frustrating thing for, for anybody. Well, not for anybody, but for me, for, for people in my inner circle. You do everything right. You eat right. You sleep right. You stop drinking as much. What the hell's going on? I'm stuck. So I had directed him to some of those Secrets of Strength podcasts, and then he's like, I'm like, you know what? Maybe let I'm gonna listen to them again. And I start listening to things that I that I said. And I'm like, oh God. How am I not living the things that I said perfectly to the T? And those podcasts, so this is like a little promo here, but for you is go back and find those things. Because the the base of that pyramid, like simple things like breathing and sleeping, I need to get better at. So again, they don't tell me anything I don't know. I made the damn podcast, but it's reinforcing things for me to start practicing again. Whew, I'm exhausted myself. All right, tip number five. Tip number five, a quote that I am thinking about. God, I love this one. It's, I am here to cross the swamp, not fight all the alligators. I'll say that one again. I am here to cross the swamp, not fight all the alligators. So what does that mean? What that means is when you are on a journey, get to where you're going in that journey. You almost have to be ignorant of all the other stuff that's going on around you because they're all distractions. Your intent is to cross the swamp. Your intent is not to kill the alligators. Now, this is, a, this is something that I see a lot in business where you may go into a meeting to talk about X. Maybe it's football, right? You, whatever it is, business, your sport, coaching, whatever. You're going into a meeting. You're going in there to talk about X. All of a sudden, people see a problem with Y. They start to f- try and fix Y while they are looking at X, right? Well, sorry, the intent was to fix X. So now they get caught up in Y. Maybe they get caught up in Z. You leave the meeting three hours later, and you never even talked about X. Now, I'm not saying you should never fix Y, but I'm saying... Table that, like literally. I, I know it's some a good practice that people have. They'll have like a little something called a, it's called a parking lot. They put it on the board, parking lot. This issue. We'll come back to it later. Our goal right now is to fix X. For your home scenario, I've seen this a lot, a lot, especially in, when you're doing maintenance. You're going in. I don't know. I, I'm going to fix something in my backyard. And when I'm going into my garage to pick up my ladder, I notice that uh, that the the thing that's holding my ladder up is broken. So 
okay, I have it on this little, these little hooks. One of the hooks fell out. Let me spend three hours putting a new uh, anchor in the sheetrock and trying to solidify the hook. Meanwhile, I never went to put my ladder outside and do whatever I was supposed to be doing outside. So the point is, is table that. Go bring that ladder outside. I don't know, maybe you change it a light bulb outside. Fix the light bulb outside, then come back in and then work on that anchor. So remember the quote, I am here to cross the swamp, not fight all the alligators. And sometimes a little tip, a little thing that I will do if I start to see our leadership teams or our, our coaches start to go the wrong way, I'll put that slide up before we actually start to have the, any conversation. Put that slide up just as a reminder, everybody, we're here <laughs> to cross the swamp. We'll come back to the alligators later. We're here to cross the swamp. Okay, tip number six, the strangest thing that I saw all week. Uh, there's actually two here. I got to go with two. So the first one is talking to a guy. I won't say what his name is, but he's an absolute beast of a human being. Talking to him last night at a party, he said, Coach, I have no scientific evidence to back this up, but I'm recently single, and I feel like since I've become single, i become insanely strong. Now, the guy was already insanely strong. He might be... He might actually be, uh, of all the people I've ever trained, like might actually, or even coached, the strongest pound-for-pound -pound person that I've ever trained. So I don't know how he could possibly get stronger. But he said, I think it's because, uh, yeah, I think it's because I'm drinking beer and because I'm single. And I'm like this. I don't know about the beer part. Maybe somebody's like, somebody's like, maybe it's, yeah, maybe it's the more calories that you're putting into your body. But that's, that's a waste of calories. I don't know. I can't see that being a long-term goal for anybody. But I did go back last night and do like a 10-second research, and it did say that people that are single have higher testosterone levels. So I need to look into that more. I think it's a <laughs> very interesting topic to dig into. It might not be good for anybody to even hear or know, but it was interesting that the guy even had that going through his mind that now that I'm single, I am stronger than I was before. So I'm not telling people to jump out of their relationships. Be happy. Uh, it's not worth lifting an extra 20 pounds in the gym. But... But it is interesting to see if the body actually does respond differently when you are in a relationship for a long time versus if you are single. And I hope to God that the answer is not drinking beer because that's not good for anybody. All right. The other weird thing that I saw this week. So you get a soft point at advanced training if you come late or miss a workout. So we're about to start our workout on Saturday, yesterday, and – uh I don't know. We're missing a we're missing a guy that I was specifically kind of like talking to through Instagram that morning. So I'm like, where is Maggio? Where is Maggio? I'm said to Deradita. Deradita, where is Maggio? He's like, he's not my problem. He's not on my team. I'm asking out Deradita because Deradita is the guy who brought Maggio into the program. Maggio is a newer guy in the program. He's a fireman. He's been actually really diligent about saying when he can and can't come come because of the shifts that he's working on. So uh, Maggio is not there. It's 6.30. We're getting ready to start. The rule of thumb is 6.30. You are at my truck. He's not there. We load the feel up. He's not there. We're about to start ready to go. And who comes walking out of the woods? But Maggio. Maggio, what are you doing? Like, people are like, man, he must have slept in the woods so he wouldn't miss the session. <laughs> Actually, Maggio got a flat tire and walked to advanced training, which is pretty legendary. <laughs> so he got a flat tire, walked. I don't know how he even got into the park. He didn't walk, like, through the front entrance of the park a lot. He came out of the woods. Also, he had texted me this, but I didn't see it because <laughs> I was loading the field, so I didn't look at my phone. So he had a legitimate reason, excuse, whatever. Uh, he did not get a soft point, but pretty sick to see a guy. I don't know. I don't know if I would have done that. I might have sat there and worked on my tire. This guy legitimately, 
He did, he did exactly what the quote was. He was here to cross the swamp. The cross the swamp was his workout. He tabled fixing his tire, went back and did it after the workout. So Maggio, you win the award for strangest thing I saw all week or most awesome thing. All right, here we go. We're going to get into what happened at this weekend's Tag Team Challenge. So we are, this was the second to last week of our regular season. We've actually gone through, I'm looking at it right now, 19 weeks. This is longer than a regular season in the NFL. We've gone through 19 weeks of the season. I said last week on the podcast that whatever happens this, this week, it may very well define where everyone is in the playoffs. And that, the, that next this week coming up may not even matter. And boy, was I completely and totally wrong. Not only did it uh, not define where everyone was in the playoffs, it pretty much defined where no one was in the playoffs. So nothing changed. So what happened was we had so many people miss that needed to be there to, to win and set the tone for who's in and who's out. Like only 12 people make the playoffs. We got 20 people on the list. So there's eight people that don't make the playoffs. So many people missed. And one, the team that, I don't know, I, I don't want to spoil alert here, but the bottom line is nothing happened. <laughs> so we had all this stuff, and the only thing that happened was that it solidified the four people that actually have a bye in the first round of the playoffs. So let's get to the challenge. We'll talk about what it was, and then we'll talk about how people got a bye and what's going to have to happen next week. So the challenge was a complete and total ripoff of the Physical 100 Bow Challenge. That's right. A complete and total ripoff of the Physical 100 Bow Challenge. So uh, I create very little. I copy a lot, just like the great Les, Les Spellman says. So I'm copying even his phrase right here. So I took, his, took this guy's thing, the Physical 100 Challenge. If you remember, there was a whole podcast dedicated to the Physical 100 Bow Challenge, but essentially they had to load a bunch of weight on a real boat and then push it. And whoever can get it to a certain place in a certain time, the fastest, wins. Well, for us, what we did was we had a bunch of weight. I think it was like 350 pounds. Let me look it up right here. Yep, 390 pounds on a prowler. We had about 20, uh, 15 yards of chain on the front of that prowler. And they had to pull that thing for two minutes. The more yards you get, you win. That's it. That's basically the challenge. It was a scorched earth day. In my mind, I was like, this thing is not going to move at all. So we said to the teams, all right, you guys each have two minutes to pull this thing as far as you possibly can. They said, coach, what if we get it to the other end of the field? Do we turn it around and bring it back because we're operating on a, a football field here or a soccer field? I'm like, yeah, I'm thinking this is never going to make it. Like this 390 pounds, it's a scorched earth day. How are these guys going to pull this thing that far? Like, How are they even going to do it? I, whatever. So. There's two teams. There's the Flay Band. There's Bear Island. Bear Island won the week before. I say to them, who wants to go first? Do you want them to go first? Do you want them to go second? Yuski immediately screams out, we want to go first. Deradita screams out, we want to go second. They're both on the same team. I said, guys, why don't you take some time to deliberate how you're going to do this? So they talk. I don't know. It felt like an hour. Both teams are talking. Both teams are strategizing. People are trying to figure out the technique of how they're all going to push this prowler. So think about it. It's, it's a prowler, right? If you have six guys, five guys, where are they all going to fit? Can you put one person on the prowler? Do you put two people on the prowler? Uh, how many people are on the chains? I don't know. What's it going to look like? So they talk, they talk, they talk. By the way, that morning, I sent them a clue. Yes, a clue. Not the answer, but a clue. I sent them 
the Physical 100 Boat Challenge podcast that I did that explains the tips and tricks how to more effectively move something like that based on physics. I think uh, zero people got the riddle and zero people listened to that, re-listened to that podcast. Anyway, I did throw out a gift. So, the Bear Island decides they're going to let the Flayed Man go first. The Flayed Man, oh, by the way, you don't get a full two minutes. You get one minute and 50 seconds. Why? Why? Because Andrew Cortese, he did get a soft point. So Andrew Cortese's on their team. He came late, so he gets a, a half a soft point and get a full soft point for coming late. But his team got penalized 10 seconds. So they only had one minute and 50 seconds to push this prowler or pull this prowler. Totally up to them. So what was their technique? They decide what they're going to do. They're going to put three people on the actual prowler itself. They got one guy on the right handle, one guy on the left handle, one guy in the middle, and they're all going to push it forward. Then the rest of the guys on their team are going to take the, there's a chain attached to the front of the prowler, and they're going to run with this chain. And I'm thinking, this thing isn't going to move. Now this team has one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. This team... Flayed Man named themselves the Flayed Man because they kept getting like three or four guys showing up the training and they kept losing. Now, <laughs> they, now recently they're winning and winning and winning and winning, and now they've won nine out of the last seven battles against Bear Island. So, or maybe it's nine out of the last. I don't know what it is. Their record was nine and eight coming in. They were nine and eight coming in. So now they have a winning record against Bear Island, and today they actually have eight guys. So as luck would have it, on a day that Jimmy Yuski says. You need more people, because he was complaining that I do everything to help the flayed man. Today of all days, they have to have eight guys. So they do. So they're going to figure out how are we going to situate these eight guys. Well, three of them are now on the back end of this prowler pushing it. And then the other five of them are on this 15-yard chain. And they're going to go and run with this prowler. But I'm thinking, this thing ain't going to move. This thing is stuck into the ground because there's so much weight on it. Well, boy, once again, was I wrong. We, we hit the start button with my index finger, not my thumb, and these guys take off in like a full sprint down the field. It looks like a bobsled team. Bang! They go across the field, and uh, we started at the 10. I didn't start at the goal line because it gets a little slippery by the end zone. Yeah, if you guys can hear my dog. My wife said that you can hear the dog in the background. He is barking right now. I guess he's jacked up about the bobsled. Anyway, they take off towards the other end of the field easily. So they have to turn it around, and this, this is where it gets a little tiring. They turn the sucker around. They turn the prowler around. It's got to go full prowler through the line, and then they come back. And maybe when they get to, like, the 20, 30-yard line, they get a little tired. They get a little tired. They get a little tired. You see the fatigue start to set in. Very different from the, the run down there. So going down there, they look like the bobsled team coming back. They look like people that are really smoked. I got no good analogy for it. But they end up getting 225 yards in a minute in 50 seconds, which is sick. <laughs> so then, next up is Bear Island. Bear Island, I think they only had five guys. So Bear Island, who usually has more guys, all their guys were on Bear Island. You know, Amorosi was on Bear Island, Blanco's on Bear Island, Baraji's on Bear Island, Armado's on Bear Island. They got, like, everyday guys that just did not show up to the workout. So, And these are guys that some of them needed to win to solidify their space in the playoffs. So anyway, they only I think they only have five guys. They decide to put one guy behind the prowler. They asked me, Coach, can we move the chains? I'm like, why not? Do whatever you want. So they take my 15-foot chain that actually has a clamp in the middle, and they – so it's really like two chains. It's two seven-and-a-half-yard chains, not a 15-foot chain. It's a 15-yard chain. They take the 
the two the two chains instead of having one long chain they take one of those chains and they also attach it to the prowler so now they have two chains so instead of one 15 yard chain they have two seven and a half yard chains and they split their guys up so that there's two guys on one side two guys on the other side i think they had five guys my math might be wrong but whatever they have equal guys on both sides of the of uh, both sides of the prowler pulling with a chain or running it with the chain and then they have one guy in the back they also take off like they are shot out of a cannon i'm like Whew. Woo! This is good. Like, this is good. But when they get to the other end of the field, the same exact thing happens, and that's when the fatigue starts to set in. And what was interesting was with the flayed man, when they went, their fatigue started to set in, but there were times where guys, some guys weren't doing anything like at certain points. They, they were basically able to take a rest. They took their hands off the chain. Somebody else was able to pick up their slack. With Bear Island, they didn't have that luxury because they did not have enough guys. So I couldn't tell you right now what technique was better. I, I actually did like the double chain technique better than the, uh, like the, the two different chains where two different groups can grab. I don't know. Actually, I don't even know. I didn't even care at this point. <laughs> but uh, the bottom line is, is that Bear Island lost again. They only got 175 yards, maybe 180 yards to the 225. So they lose. It's over Johnny. And what happened was, because Bear Island lost, let me get into this, because Bear Island lost, the flayed man, what happens is they all get three points, okay, Bear Island gets zero points, and then the flayed man normally would have to pick two people from Bear Island to compete head-to-head. -head. But, but, and this is an erroneous but, but there are no people left on Bear Island left to compete in head-to-head -head challenges because they all have two losses. And I'll get back to that in a minute. So, I say, okay, there's two people left on the flayed man who have only one loss. So you are allowed to, if you want to, compete against each other. Remember, if you get two head-to-head -head losses, you're out of head-to-head -head competitions. I'll say it again. I've said it a million times, but people who are new to the podcast have to understand. When you win, you get three points as a team. When you lose, you get no points. The winning team then picks two people from the losing team to go head-to-head. -head. The winner of that head-to-head -head gets three points. The loser gets one point. But after you lose two head-to-head -head challenges, you are officially eliminated from head-to-head -head challenges. So Bear Island, at least in my mind, had nobody left. The Flayed Man had two people left. So I said, if you want to, again, you don't have to. You can go head-to-head. -head. It's Weintraub and Carpentieri. You guys already have three points in the day. If you want to, you can go head-to-head, -head, but you don't have to. And I hear them talking, and then Weintraub's like, we got to do it. Like, we, if we don't do it, we're pathetic. He said a different word, but this is a this is a children's program. So, I'm keeping it clean. So, I said, look, you might as well do it. It's going to give you points. It's going to improve your seating. So, they go head-to-head, -head, and here's the head-to-head -head challenge. There's a circle in the middle of the field. The challenge is you are going to sprint around the circle. When you complete the entire circle, you're going to put your two feet on sliders, and then you're going to slide through the diameter of the circle. So, this, this diameter is probably like 25 yards. The I think the circumference of the circle... I, don't, I think I did the math once. I got to check this out. I should know it right now. Yeah, it's like 75 yards. That's, that's, if it's pi times the diameter, that's the circumference of the circle. So you sprint around the entire circle. Then you do your slider through the middle of the circle. That's it. So Carpentieri, one of the fastest guys at advanced training, dude upon dudes, he goes first and he knocks it out in 22.43 seconds. Doesn't even look tired when he's done. Pretty sick job. But then he, up next is Weintraub. A du another dude upon dudes. He goes, and he knocks it out in 21.09 seconds. So now, Carpentieri gets his second loss. He's officially eliminated from head-to-head -head challenges. And Weintraub, he gets his second win of the day. He has a 9-1 record, and he picks up six points on the day. So, what does this mean to everybody? Well, thing number one. 
because of how this all turned out. No one else was eliminated this week. I thought people would be eliminated. They're not. So right now, we have Baraji, Carol, Sarno, Hezra, all still in the hunt. They need a lot of help next week. They need teams to win. They need people to not show up. And then, if it's possible, they need other head-to-head challenges to happen to help them make it into the playoffs. And why am I saying head-to-head? Well, Sarno, he only has one loss. So he has a very good chance that if his Flayed Men wins, and then he wins a head-to-head challenge, depending on who shows up, he can make it into the playoffs. And before, I said er- erroneously, erroneously, that Hezra, that, I'm sorry, that no one from Bear Island uh, was left with only one loss, but I was wrong. It was Hezra. So Hezra also has one loss. So uh, if Bear Island wins, and then Hezra wins a head-to-head, he has a shot of making it to the playoffs, depending on who wins and loses. So right now, next week is going to be completely and totally, absolutely sick. And I'm telling you right now, people, that if certain people, like if Nick Carroll says on Friday, I can't come, he's eliminated. He's mathematically out. If Joe Sarno says, I can't come, he's eliminated. So if people say, I can't come, they're eliminated. If you are like above that threshold, if you're like at the 20-point mark, uh, that's what, cause again, only 12 people can make it, and this is all based on points. So Amorosi and Blanco, if you guys say, I can't come this week, and then somebody gets that win, you are in serious jeopardy of not making the playoffs. Now, the only thing that did change, the only thing that changed was that the top, so the way this thing works, it is a 16-seed playoff system. It's a coach, only, you said only 12 people make the playoffs. That's true. So the bottom four seeds, 13, 14, 15, 16, you're automatically eliminated. <laughs> so what we do is we give the one, two, three, and four seed a bye in the first round. So that means what happened, well, that, that doesn't mean anything, with the way the points are right now, the people that have a bye in the first round, we know who they are. Yes, Joe Shalasi, he has a bye. Carpentieri has a bye. Marechko has a bye. Galley has a bye. We don't know what all their seeds are yet. The only seed we definitely have locked in is Shalasi is locked in as the number one seed. The other three guys have a bye. That's it. That's all we know. That's all we know in terms of who has a bye. Everybody else's seed is still up for debate, and we have a bunch of people... We got three spots left for the playoffs, and I'm looking at it now. We have seven people competing for three spots, and anything can happen. There's a lot of variables. Who's going to show up? What team's going to win? Who's going to win the head-to-head challenges? And the only people left in the head-to-head challenges are available are Weintraub, Sardo, and Hezra. A lot of things need to happen, and what type of playoff situation would it be if a lot of things didn't need to happen? And oh, by the way, if some of those things do happen... What's going to happen is they're going to be like, it might be like a four-way tie for that 12 seed, which means <laughs> we're going to need a mini playoff just to even see who that 12 seed is. So I've been accused multiple times of rigging the system to make it more interesting, but <laughs> I don't do that. I, I let the chips fall where they may, but, and I, and I will not do this, I will not rig the system, but man, would I love to see some sort of four-way tie for that 12 seed just to make it interesting. I believe last year we had some sort of the same exact type of thing happen where there was like a bunch of people with the same amount of points going, competing for those last seeds. So, uh, man, I am excited. Saturday cannot come fast enough for me. I am super excited. By the way, and this is, man, I hope you guys listen to this podcast. Next week's challenge, you're going to need a lot of guys. You're going to need a lot of guys. This challenge was written by Joe Derrida. Uh, he, he wanted it. He wrote it. I respect him enough to put it in. I'm going to... 
altered a little bit. I'm not going to tell you what it is right now. But you got, bring, your, bring your boys to this one. Bring your boys to this one, or it's going to be a long day at the office. All right, people. Enjoy the rest of your week. This episode is brought to you by ProPulse Speed Trainers, created by the mad scientist himself, David Weck. Now, in my 20-plus years of evaluating athletes, there was always one thing, one thing that I could look at and tell you if this athlete was going to be sick or if they were going to be in our coordinated mess. And I could tell you that in about five seconds. And what was it? It was the way their upper bodies moved in sync with their lower bodies. If they were in complete and total sync, I knew the athlete was going to be sick. You've always heard, look at this guy's arm angles. Look at the way the violent arm action, the way this guy runs. Well, those were always the best athletes. Now, what David Weck did is he created these little miniature weights that are about 12 ounces each that you can hold in your hand. And inside of those weights, he has these little beads. And when you run and when, you move, when you're pumping those arms, when those weights are pumping those arms, you can actually hear with those beads if you are on the right rhythm. It's actually sending a signal to your brain to say, yep, I am in pace, I am in rhythm, and it will instantly get your upper body and lower body in sync. If you want to become like Michael Jordan, Randy Morse, LeBron James, Derek Jeter, watch these guys run, watch their sick arm angles, get yours today. Go to shop.weckmethod.com. That's shop, W-E-C-K, that's weckmethod.com. Put in the code WMA270. Again, that's W. MA270. It will get you 10% off of any item that you buy. Go and get yours today.